Hey, trivia fans! Looking for an exciting and unforgettable way to add some fun and friendly competition to your events or team-building sessions? Last Call Trivia has you covered. Our unique web-based app allows players to participate individually or as a team, making it easier than ever to bring people together, spark curiosity, create connections, and make lasting memories. Host your own trivia anytime with our new subscription and experience the best in interactive entertainment. Even remote attendees can play along. Check out lastcalltrivia.com forward slash shop for more information. Welcome to the Last Call Trivia Podcast. I'm your trivia host, James Flippin, and I'm so happy to have all of our listeners join in on our trivia team today. Our favorite part of Trivia Night is the discussion that the questions spark and the connections those conversations create. That's why you'll always hear our trivia players showing their work throughout each episode. And no, we're not talking about boring math problems from overnight homework in the third grade. We're talking about the thought process behind each of their answers as we go through this trivia podcast. And speaking of our trivia players, I'm joined by the team our Instagram followers named Grandma's Happy Hour. Smell it from here. (laughs) He's no mere cat. He's an extraordinary cat. It's DJ Taylor. Just so long as you don't turn me into any violin strings, I think we're cool. Wow. Oh, that got dark real quick. (laughs) That's DJ Taylor. But we're moving on to someone who has an honorary membership from the American Lumberjack Association. I'm talking, of course, about Kelly Kitko. (laughs) And I'm glad it's honorary because that saves me the $45 a year annual membership fee. (laughs) That is good. That's but the use of plaid is optional, right? You are still allowed to wear, like... As required. There's the wardrobe. All right, good. It's in the well, bylaws. that's Kelly Kitko, DJ Taylor. We've heard from them. How about someone who is just passionate about punctuation? Period. It's Omen Thomas Sade. Oh, James, you're always in terror banging on about something or other, aren't you? <laughs> that is true. We knew true. that was going to come back. That is true. And, to haunt you know, us. we, of course, love in bangs, but we also love this podcast. And in it, we'll be challenging the Last Call Trivia team with questions that previously appeared in Last Call Trivia shows in bars and restaurants around the country. Our podcast show has two rounds of trivia three questions per round, and then a bonus question in between those two rounds. We'll explain how it works when we get there, as well as a final question that closes out the game. Before that, a quick reminder to our listening audience, if you enjoyed today's show, do us a favor and leave us a five-star rating on your streaming service of choice. Leave us a review as well, and you just might get a shout-out in the next Last Call Trivia podcast. As a matter of fact, I'm sure if you do leave us a review, we'll shout you out because we want to know where around this great nation, where around the world, our listeners are coming in from. If you'd like to learn more about all of Last Call Trivia's products and services, visit lastcalltrivia.com, and there's more ways there to get your trivia fix. We're going to start off with round number one. I'll read each question aloud for DJ Kelly and Omen. Then they get three minutes to discuss and decide on an answer. You'll hear me say, last call, 
when there's 30 seconds left in that countdown. In addition to their answer, the team also needs to choose a point wager. And in round one, they can choose from one point, three points, or six points. And the categories that they're hopefully confident in for round number one are as follows. Universities, organizations, and states. Universities, organizations, and states. So now we'll get right to question number one. Universities. What universities has an official fight song known as War Eagle? They have a mascot, which is an anthropomorphic tiger. And then their official colors are orange and navy. Okay. Well, this has been a delightful evening, and uh, (laughs) I'll see you all next week. He's tipping his cap, everyone. Trying to think of universities that have the color scheme that James described. Orange and navy. That's a pretty stark contrast. So, In honor of Last Call, based in the fair city of Cincinnati, could it potentially be the Cincinnati Bengals associated with this university? Could it be the University of Cincinnati? Because the Bengals are an NFL team that are unaffiliated with any university. Oh, that's an NFL team? I thought it was a college team. I I think think Omen thinks that since the college was founded first, the city based their official sports team in honor of the university mascot. But the Cincinnati Bengals were founded by the same founder as the Cleveland Browns, Paul Brown. Oh, that explains a lot. Okay, so how about this? Let's go about it a different way. I feel like if the fight song is War Eagle, then there might be a a reason for that. Like, what can we parse from that hint? You know, to me, that's maybe like a Midwest sort of Native American heritage Hmm. anthem. You know, so something in Oklahoma. I don't know. (laughs) Blue and orange. Navy and orange, eagle and tiger. The Sarah Lawrence mascot was a griffin, which would have been a lot easier to guess because, you know, it's, there's just one of them. But there, if, there are a lot of tigers. Our mascot was the tigers, but we definitely weren't orange and navy. We were orange and black because that's the colors well, of the an tiger. An anthropomorphic tiger too, so it's human, human bipedal. It's not like a, an animal tiger, per se. It's, so yes, then, I mean, I don't feel like we have any anything solid to go on so why don't we just Does, guess again is, last uh, call, is Duke by the way I just, well, I just want to mention last call and then since I just feel confident and I've never given you guys a hint before but I just want to oh, say oh please please do uh, it war, war damn eagle I just want to say that okay I just want to say war damn eagle that's like their slogan so <laughs> I was going to ask isn't, isn't Duke University the Tigers Duke University yeah I have no idea but that's that's as good a guess as any. That was the first thing that popped into my idea, head for some I reason. I thought their colors were blue and white for some You're reason. You're right. They are blue and white. They are blue and white. Yeah, I've got nothing. Let's pick a good Midwest. It's not Northwestern University. The University of Ohio. Let's do it. University of Ohio for one point, James. For <laughs> one, one point on this one. Frickin' okay. eagle. Let's go with one point on University of Ohio. The question was... This university has the official fight song, War Eagle, a mascot that's an anthropomorphic tiger, and then official colors, orange and navy. Ohio, for one point, Ohio University? 
Sure. No, sorry. It's Auburn University. Auburn what? <laughs> well, okay. So we just had a fatwa put out on us by literally everybody in the state of Alabama. Well done, Omen. Yeah. Thanks a lot. University of Alabama, their chief rival, Auburn. They play the Iron Bowl. Okay, every let's year. be clear. I know what Auburn University is. I just didn't oh, know okay. what their mascot was or their fight song. That's all. But then again, War I... Damn Eagle. War Damn Eagle. Sorry. I just, this is an excuse to mention at one of my favorite athletes of all time, Bo Jackson, who played his college baseball and football at the University of Auburn. And he's the only professional athlete to ever be an all-star in both football and baseball. Oh, he must have been exhausted. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, he hurt his hip really badly playing football and was never really the same after that, but... Well, I'm um, excited to matriculate from this question into the next and leave this pain behind us. <laughs> and unfortunately, the team did not get that question right, but that's okay, because moving on to question number two is organizations. Organizations. Now a division of Securitas, what private security guard and detective agency established in 1850 is known for its unblinking eye logo? And we never sleep slogan. That's fun. So I just read uh, a book, The Lincoln Conspiracy, and it was about the first assassination plot against President Lincoln. And it was not the one that succeeded when John Wilkes Booth shot him in Ford's Theater. There was actually a plot to assassinate Lincoln prior to his inauguration. Are you familiar with this story? It's super, super fascinating. Um, and, it, and it has all kinds of unbelievable intrigue, and it involves your fair city of Baltimore, Kelly. Ooh, and thank uh, goodness. And basically, you know, Lincoln traveled from Illinois to Washington, and while he was en route, it was about an eight, eight or nine day journey by train. And while he was en route, he received word from, I believe, the founder of this detective agency, the literal namesake, from detectives that had infiltrated the conspirator group saying, your life is in danger. We need to sneak you through the city of Baltimore or you're going to be killed. And wow. that's exactly that's, that's what they did. That's usually how it is. I mean, yeah, they actually, nowadays. they unhooked his Charm train city. car and attached it to a horse <laughs> carriage to draw it from one rail yard to another through the city of Baltimore in the dead of night to ensure that, that no one would almost, know that, that Lincoln was in that car. It's super fascinating history. It's almost how our football team got taken away in the 80s. History so, does repeat. So DJ definitely knows who this is. I have a guess. Can I run it by you since you're certain of it? Please. Is it the Pinkertons? It is. And Pinkerton himself was the sole person who accompanied Lincoln on this secret journey. He met up with Lincoln, I think, on the third or fourth day of the journey after having personally made contact with his agents uncovering the plot to get the information went to Lincoln and said, your life is in danger, and then accompanied him on this sleepless, terrifying journey to avoid being murdered. And is this what the Weezer album is named so, after? Wait, hold on. <laughs> that was a serious question. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I think so. I have a question, too. I, yeah. If this was successful, did he not bring Last this call. gentleman to the theater with him? Last call now. That was four years later, so, I mean... Well, I, I, there's no statute of limitations on safety, DJ. Yeah, well, the needs evolved over time, so that's a that's a story for another day, but I do believe that the answer to this question is the Pinkerton Detective Agency. That is fascinating. I think we should put six 
pinks on it. <laughs> six agents, perhaps? <laughs> oh, yes. Six agents on the answer of Pinkerton. I've never heard so, about this, DJ. I, I feel like I'm learning pink. something. Look up the six Lincoln Conspiracy. Really, really great book. Highly recommend it. Super interesting history. The Pinkerton Contingency. I've got it written down. <laughs> Organizations, now a division of Securitas, what private security guard and detective agency established in 1850 is known for its unblinking eye logo and we never sleep slogan. You guys say for six points, Pinkerton. That is correct. Yes. Wow. That's so cool. And actually, I learned something new while looking into this myself that the Pinkertons, through that logo that we described, gave rise to the term private eye. Mm-hmm. Because when you oh, hire, you know, the detective you that own. uses that logo, you're getting your own private eye that we never sleep. Oh. And but, that became known roughly as somebody who was a hired investigator at some point. And h- hiring a private pink doesn't quite have the same... <laughs> That's, level of that's the different terror yeah, behind most of the it. time that's a D- different, different service agreement we'll leave it good night everybody yeah. and exactly <laughs> states is next and nevada is no i'm sorry states <laughs> okay so this is the actual question the forget me not is oh. fittingly what states state flower oh i the think i'm not i think i know this Let's also just say that Forget-Me-Not is a gorgeous little blue flower. If you've not had the opportunity to see it growing in the wild, it is just a delight. It's a small, five-petaled, sky-blue flower, and it's endemic to North America. Any state in particular? (laughs) Yeah, I think I know what it is, actually. And it is a state which, depending on how you were viewing the United States, you could perhaps be forgiven for forgetting about. So, like, if you were just looking at a map of the continental United States, uh-huh. you might not notice that there's a couple of others off to the side? Yes. That are really, really tiny? Or really, really large. Yeah, well, it, it ain't tropical, I'll tell you that. So, I was trying to parse the clue when James read it and wondering, like, what state would one have a reason to forget since he said, you know, fittingly, whatever. Right. I would be hard-pressed for someone to forget that state if that's what it is. But then again, you know, I think state should be forgotten. Is it a state that rhymes with the rains that fall on the plains? Spain is not a state, DJ. I realize that Spain is not a state, but there there is a state... I don't think it's Maine, DJ. The, is, it, the state, is it something that you state, might bake for dessert? It, I'll give you a clue, DJ. It rhymes with schmashlashgla. <laughs> well, I'm pretty Kelly sure said that, continental. That's why I was confused. No, no. If you were looking at a map of the continental United States, then you would forget. About Alaska, because it's not, because it's off I, to the side. There's the 48 contiguous yeah. states. I'm not accustomed to hearing Alaska referred to as the continental U.S. I usually think of the continental U.S. as the lower 48. I think right, of those two exactly terms interchangeably. That's, that's exactly what I meant. I've never seen two people agree so passionately. <laughs> I know. Like, we're saying exactly the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I agree because with you, Kelly. By golly. Because it's not connected by land to the rest of the U.S. You could you could forget about it. And I imagine because it was, it was one last of the last... Last call, mercifully. 
because it was one of the last states added. Alaska, Alaska, James, our answer is Alaska. <laughs> and we only have three possible non-contiguous U.S. states to put on it. Play me out of here, James. Puerto Rico? Let's not No, the third is the state of confusion that we're in right now. Absolutely, no question about it. I dare say that's just Kelly's state of mind. Hey. <laughs> the forget-me-not is fittingly what state's state flower. For three points, you guys say Alaska. That is correct. Alaska yes. is, in fact, the answer. <sighs> That's um, the first state question that I've known. I don't know why I remember that. Well, I'm yeah, glad well, you know it, because the bonus question is going to be how many forget-me-nots are there in the state of Alaska right Yes, now? that's right. <laughs> It's actually a symbol of the state for over 100 years. Officially, 1917 was when they made it. So it predates even its statehood. Oh, in wow. Terms of these. wow. Okay, so we will go on to the bonus question. And if you're new to this podcast, you might not know that the bonus question is a little bit different. Here's how it goes. The answer will be in the form of a number. And the players may not know the exact answer, but they can actually get the bonus point just by getting close enough to the actual number. At live last call trivia shows in bars and restaurants all around the country, the top 50% of teams closest to the exact answer with their guests get the bonus point. Our team has to get within what the writing team set as a predetermined range, and then they can still get that bonus point. For this question... In 1867, the United States purchased Alaska from Russia for how much money in U.S. dollars? Which, by the way, worked out to be about two cents per acre. Oh, God. So this was called Seward's Folly at the time because he was the U.S. government official. And I I can't remember. I think he was Secretary of the Interior to negotiate this deal, but he could have been Secretary of State. I can't remember. But he was responsible primarily for negotiating this deal with Russia, and it was seen as just an absolutely terrible, terrible deal, as I recall reading about it, because up until the point where it was discovered that Alaska sat on some pretty rich oil reserves, and of course, we know about the gold rush, but it's so vast, it's so empty, it's so mountainous, you know, it's not a great place for growing things, and so at that time, it's, it was just seen as yeah, a very foolish kind of kind of purchase. It's weird to me how the mindset changed from like manifest destiny, go west and take whatever you can, and it doesn't matter if it's a barren piece of nothingness. And then I look at Alaska and think, who wouldn't want Alaska? But like you said, it was widely viewed as being ridiculous. But Regardless, in my head, based on our friend William Seward, was that his name, William? I think, yeah, yeah. I feel like the number 1.3 million was in my head for that. Does that sound reasonable to you? That really sounds like a number. I thought thought (laughs) 1.7. I had a 7 in my head. You know what's funny? Because I had that also, and then I thought that wasn't right for some reason, so I downgraded it, but that was my initial thought. Can we, if it's 1.7? Three or 1.9, 1.7 million. If we multiply that by, if we work that out, that it's two cents to the acre, how many acres does that give us? And then we can kind of check and see <laughs> does that sound reasonable for the state of Alaska? Oh, man, there was a reason that I didn't 
do it that way. And that was the idea of doing math with two cents was too much for me to bear. Okay, so well, I tried to rely on memory instead of math. All right. If it was 10 cents, let's say that it was 1.5 million. We'll split okay. the difference here. If it was okay. 1.5 million at 10 cents an acre, right? Uh-huh. That would be... Okay. Uh, 150,000. No, the opposite. The opposite. Right? Shoot. 15 million? Right. 15 million acres. 15 million and then acres? And we need to divide that by five to get to two cents. Right. So that's three million acres? You this need to multiply it by five because 10 cents is more expensive than two cents. This is, all, this is all sounding right. So that's 75 million acres. That sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> Alaska's big. At, at 1.5 million. The Yukon is massive. The gold, DJ, you yeah. mentioned the gold rush. Charlie Chaplin's fantastic film, The Gold Rush, is set in that exact time period and location. Yeah. I think we should go, what did we decide, 1.5 or 1.7? I heard 1.7 million. Yep. In 1867, the United States purchased Alaska from Russia for how much money in U.S. dollars, which, by the way, worked out to around two cents per acre. Our team says 1.7 million. Well, there is a seven. Seven point two million. Oh, God. Really? That's correct, yeah. And we were looking for anywhere in between 6.7 and 7.7. So sorry, that's a, no. Wow, that's bonus. a narrow range. That's a lot of acres as well. It is. It is a lot of acres. Yes. Well, surely something we bought in history cost $1.3 million. <laughs> Yeah. I wonder what right. it was. Yeah, it was 10% of Alaska. <laughs> Moving on to round number two, before we allow them to indulge themselves in any more math, we will go on to <laughs> the questions don't. in the second round, themed to a specific topic, by the way, here in round number two. And today's theme is foreign languages. <gasps> Finally. <laughs> oh, Thank that goodness. That gasp you heard was real. That Never seen Omen so excited. And in this round, the point wager options have updated to either two, five, or seven points. That's old hat for our team here by now, so no gasp. But just like the first round, the team can only use each wager once. Two, five, seven, doesn't matter what order. They have foreign languages as the theme and categories as follows. Discography, terms, and children's books. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Discography is first. Team, I need you to name the rock band that released the following studio albums. Siamese Dream, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, and Zeitgeist. <laughs> okay. Well, because I'm not sure why this would be in the category of foreign languages. Well, I think that the Siamese is a language and zeitgeist is a word in a foreign language. Oh, oh, I was thinking that the band had to be singing in something other than English and the band that I have in my mind is American. And what sort of name do they have, Kelly? They have... <laughs> Should I just tell you what it is or am I giving you a hint? I've got no idea. Zeitgeist? So Siamese going, Dream? I thought Siamese Dream was a different band, but I couldn't place it. But Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, I thought that was Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan. I can picture the, the oh, cover of that. I know is that Zeitgeist right? is definitely Smashing Pumpkins. Okay, great. Well, I, should, I say definitely. I have high confidence that Zeitgeist is Smashing Pumpkins. 
Okay, perfect. So that's that's two out of three. James, I think we should go seven pulverized gourds on Smashing Pumpkins. I've never listened to their music, but I hear that other people have. Well, <laughs> <clears throat> when they're when they're fully smashed and pulverized, it's tough to count, but I think there's seven of them, and we'll okay. go ahead and put those smashed pumpkins on discography. Name the rock band that released the following studio albums: Siamese Dream, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness, and Zeitgeist. Smashing Pumpkins for seven points. That is correct. Yes. yes. Smashing Pumpkins. Are they like a Thanks hard rock that. band? Are they Are they no, frightening? Not, I'm sure you've heard one of them. I think their biggest song is, Despite All My Rage, I'm Still Just I am still just a rat in a cage. Have you heard that song? Maybe. It sounded just like my rendition. Oh, okay. Then yes, I have. If you didn't <laughs> A very way. distinctive voice that I think people yes. either love or hate. Yes. It's huh. very, it's very... He's like Eddie Vedder in that sense, except he doesn't sound anything you like a goat. You know what? Okay, we're not even going to go there. We're not even <laughs> going to get on Pearl Jam right now, because I was actually avoiding that comparison entirely for this reason, and we're not even doing it right now. Wow. By the way, the Smashing Pumpkins once starred as themselves in a season seven episode of The Simpsons, which was called Homer Palooza. Yes. And Homer goes on tour with a fictional Hullabalooza festival and ends up partying and hanging out with the Smashing Pumpkins. Sonic Youth portrayed themselves in that episode, too, and it was outstanding. That, yes, that is correct. All right, Terms is up next. Terms, what popular bar pastime can be literally translated as empty orchestra in Japanese? Oh, yeah. Oh, in Japanese. You didn't know this was yes. a Japanese phenomenon? I thought it was oh, Korean. No, it's super popular in Korea, but it's a transplant. Japan is mm-hmm. the originator, and the word itself is Japanese. And I think we can three, two, one this one. By the way, do you know what Japanese is in Japanese? I hope the you'll word? tell me. Japan- like how you say the word Japanese in the language Japanese? That's what you're asking? Yeah. Hi. What is it? What is it? It's what Nihongo. Is it? So if you were to ask someone if they speak Japanese, you would say, Nihongo no hanashimasu ka. And ending with the ka at the end is how you know it's a question. But uh, Nihongo. And in World War II, you could tell the soldiers that had served in the Pacific theater because they would refer to them as nips. The other way that Japan is said in Japan is Nippon. And so... Oh, yes, yes. So you would I've say Nipponese instead of Japanese, because Japanese is an Anglicization of the Portuguese Chapangu, which is how the Portuguese pronounced Nippon. It, it, they would say Chapangu with a C, but in English it sounds like a J. Sounds like the Portuguese really messed up naming conventions everywhere that they went. We that had a question. <laughs> true. Shall well, we three, I two, think one we should... Yes, let's do it. Okay, so when the team is that confident in their answer we'll count them in we'll let them say it in unison so give us your answer to this question in three two one karaoke it's fascinating to see how the institution of karaoke exists all across the world now i mean it seems to be something you can find in any in any really cosmopolitan city. I've done karaoke in, in New York and in, and in Paris and even in Tampa. <laughs> not in Tampa. Is Tampa not cosmopolitan? No, it is enough cosmopolitan to have karaoke. Okay, good. 
So would you guys like to put five points on that? Yes, please. Yes. Let's go ahead and do it. Five. Five Carmen's Eric. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Terms, what popular bar pastime can be literally translated as empty orchestra in Japanese? For five points, you say karaoke. That is correct. Karaoke is the answer. Yay. And did you know that Daisuke Inoue invented karaoke back in 1969? He was invited to an insurance company to entertain their trade show. He wasn't available to make it, but rather than lose the gig, he acted as an amateur technician and invented a little machine that could provide the lyrics and play, you know, some facsimile of a song. Wow. I, I think it was like a player piano type setup. And uh, people, you know, loved it. They were like, wow, this is a blast doing this. And uh, it, it went from there. I love well, karaoke. I think in the after show, we should all tell what our go-to karaoke song you're, is. You're making some bold assumptions there, Omen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that she's only got one. I mean, come on. Let's get no, real. No, that I've ever done it. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Next up is children's books to close out round number two. Bonsoir Loon is the French title of what classic children's book? <laughs> oh, we we can trois de un this as well. <laughs> oui. I think oui, that's oui. true. Yeah. So uh, do you guys want to flex on this and like kind of translate it into any other languages before we just get to the to the actual nitty gritty <laughs> on this? Was this book part of your guys' upbringing in any way? No, it never was. It, no, I, I didn't ever read Bona Notte Luna, as it's called in <laughs> Italian, when I was a child. A lot of my children's books were either about uh, sailing or wild animals, you know, and not anthropomorphized oh. wild animals. Speaking but. of wild animals, you know what my favorite one was? Like, all time. What's that? I can probably recite it from beginning to end in the after show party. Tell us what um, it is first, and then we'll let you know if we want you to recite it. <laughs> I'll give you the first line, and you can tell me if okay. you know what it is. The night Max wore his wolf suit. Oh, of and course. And mischief of one kind and another. Maurice Sendex. His mother called him... Max. No, Wild Thing. Yes, Marie Syndex is fabulous. Where the Wild Things are, yeah. Yes. So, should we 3 2 1 this? Let's do yes. it. So, I'm going to count you guys in yet again. You're confident in the answer, so we'll go with children's books 3, 2, 1. Good, Good night, night, Moon. Bonsoir Loon is the French title of what classic children's book? You just heard their answer Good Night, Moon. And they only have the two points left to wager on it, so that's what they'll do. Two points on Goodnight Moon. And that is correct. That is the Yay. answer. And because in this round I already made a Simpsons reference, I'd like to make a second one as well, as a matter of fact. <laughs> because Jay Moore does his great Christopher Walken impression in a Simpsons episode where he does the voice of him reading Goodnight Moon to a group of children. <laughs> and he says, Goodnight, cow. Goodnight, Moon. Good night, cow jumping over the moon. Children, please, scooch closer. Don't make me tell you again about the scooching. And it's Somehow just... We, just... we just went into Soprano. Like we went, <laughs> I don't know if that was your impression of Christopher Walken or your impression of Jay Moore doing Christopher Walken or your impression of Jay Moore appearing on The Sopranos doing it. It, it was really more Walken. my doing more uh, doing him. But anyway, 
That's it. Mm. We'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Our final question of the game is what's up next? And it's a multi-part question. It's also the only question today that our team can lose points on because the trivia team can decide to wager either five points or zero points on this final question, but they have to get every portion correct in order to earn points and in order to avoid losing points. All depends on if they decide to put that five points on the table. Because it's a multi-part question, I'll give them five minutes to decide on their answer. But before they make that decision, let's give the team an update on where their score currently stands within this parliament. And by the way, a parliament is a group of 10 episodes. We keep it average as we go along. So through the first four episodes of, appropriately enough, parliament number four, the team's average final score is 22 and a half points. And right now, the team has 23 points. Hmm. So you're barely out pacing that average. And that's just something to keep in mind. Wow. As we get into this question. I'm shocked that our score is so good at this point. I think yeah. it's because we started off on the Auburn fiasco and it felt like we didn't do as well. This final question is the only question we can lose points on, but not the only question we can lose our dignity on, as this show has proved. <laughs> Maybe not, because let's see. The final is within the category of geography. Geography. Put these countries oh, in no. order by total area in oh. square miles from smallest to largest smallest to largest here are those four countries a brazil b canada c france d india so we've got brazil canada france and india I need you to give me the total area in square miles, smallest to largest. I give you five minutes. I was really hoping for Liechtenstein. That's exactly what I was thinking. And when he said A, I was like, A is for Andorra. But then it didn't work out that way. (laughs) But it's okay. I think these are doable. We've got a clear bottom here. (laughs) I'm going to leave <laughs> Kelly, we lost Kelly, folks, momentarily. Kelly, she'll be back with us. Woman as soon as down. She can. Woman down. France. Let's move on. Yes, of this list, France. France is the smallest. Is the smallest. Has got the smallest area. Was that a bidet joke that you're laughing at? I'm just trying. No, it was, oh. it was not. But bidet to you, sir. Bidet to you. To the next. I said good day. The next one. We just, we just need to plow through this. Next one, I think, is India. What do you think, Omen? I do <laughs> And to our listening audience, we've also lost DJ. But Omen is reasoning. He's he's thinking. I can see it. Um, Give him some thought. You know, I, just, I can't. Kelly lost her mind at clear bottom, and then James said plow through, and I just can't handle it. I think that India probably is the next on this list. Uh, just because I was looking at a map of South America the other day, and Brazil is Brazil's just huge, ungodly big. Yeah. Is it bigger than Canada? We'll never know because of the Mercator projection. But Brazil might be bigger than Canada. 
So, you know, it's funny because I initially thought that, and then I thought that, I mean, that's not, even taking the Mercata projection into account, it's not possible because Canada just, it goes so far. It I mean, goes it's, so it's, far yeah. north, yeah. It's so, it's so. It's huge. I mean, Brazil is bigger than anybody thinks, but it's not as big as Canada. Yeah, well, it's I, like, I, so, I agree. I think Canada is, is larger than Brazil. Yeah, so I think we have to go France, India, Brazil, Canada. Yep, I like it. Okay. I mean, you guys are on that pretty quick. It gives you a lot of time to think about whether or not you want to wager the points. Yeah, I mean, the difficult thing with India is that the shape of it is misleading. Because when I think of India, I think of the bit that sticks down into the Indian Ocean, which comes to a point, and so it's not it's not that big. But as you go up into India, it's like a big triangle with a circle, with a well, semicircle on the top. It kind of has a shape that's reminiscent of Brazil in that sense, doesn't it? Because it's kind of like wide at the top, mm-hmm. and then it tapers down... Oh, you know, roughly triangularly tapers yeah. down. I mean, are you suggesting that India might be bigger than Brazil for that I, reason? I, I think they must be close. It'll be interesting to hear some actual numbers for these. Definitely population-wise, India is bigger. Are we, are we going to, since we have this extra time and we know how big Alaska is, since we did the math on that previously, are we going to guess the total number of acres for each of these countries? Well, the question is square miles, so do you want to convert acres to square miles? Based on the math that we've already done so far, does that sound like a good idea to you? I think it's (laughs) unadvisable. I think we should go France, India, Brazil, and then, oh, Canada. Agreed. I think we should wager the points. Agreed. I also agree. Right now, I'm getting a notification that you guys have all turned your keys and just requires a final sign-off on your guys' part. You're going to wager the five points as well? We are, James. We're going to wager them. Okay. So what you guys said was that in terms of total area and square miles from smallest to largest, it should go, according to you, France, India, Uh Brazil, Canada. That is what we said. And you're wagering the five points... That yes. is correct. Oh, that is correct. You get the five points. You won that final question. You did oh it very, gosh. very nicely. I'll give you the numbers right now. France, 210,000 square miles, just over that. India, 1.27 million. Brazil, 3.29 million. Wow. Canada, 3.86 million. So, I mean, you were right there. It, it was I very, very close when you really get down to it. Brazil and Canada, grand picture. But Canada wasn't more. Like a bigger difference done. over Brazil. I think that's where the Mercator projection, like Omen's talking about, you take a globe and you flatten it on a piece of paper, it looks weird, you know? Yeah. Yep. Peter's so, projection for the done. win. Very nicely done. All right, so that means that our team, Grandma's Happy Hour, had a final score today of 28 out of a total possible 30 points. And thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in and participating in the show. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share today's episode. If you're looking for more trivia fun, go over to lastcalltrivia.com. There you'll find more live shows, private events, trivia card game, the whole thing. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Last Call Trivia Podcast. Until then, stay curious.
the Peters projection unnaturally elongate things north to south? A little bit. There's a combo projection. It's Peters and something else. And I can't remember what the other part is that corrects for that. And that's the one that is now commonly recommended by the U.S. Geographical Society, the instruction in particular. That's the one. It has a flat bottom and a flat top and then curves on the sides. Correct. Yes, I, I, I quite like that one. Yes. Is it the one that's got cutouts? Like it's, it's this shape? No, it's a flat projection, but it curves on the ends. What it does well, you know, the, the Mercator projection was used for navigation, right? Because it, it keeps the lines of demarcation across the globe, both longitude and latitude, even. Right. And that's why it's extremely useful for sailing and navigation. It's horrible if you're trying to get an accurate mental picture of what the globe actually looks like on a flat piece of paper. And the Peters, I, I really can't remember. It's a Peters dash. I think the, the second part starts with an R. But the, the upshot is that the the... And this actually explored in a West Wing episode where there's a fictional group. It's like cartographers for social equality or social justice, something like that. And they talk about how with the traditional Mercator projection, it creates a Eurocentric and US-centric view of the world because of the distortions on the map. It makes Europe look much bigger than it actually That's is. Very and true. it also puts it in the wrong geographic space, right? It puts Europe sort of in the center of the map when in fact most of Europe is is quite a bit farther north on the the globe. So it's a really interesting concept for how, you know, the, what we're taught about the map can actually influence the way that we see or think about the world from a value standpoint. By the way, Gall Peters, is that Ah, there we go. About? Gall Peters projection, that's it. So Hell, that I think you were, for the, the flattening you were talking about. I think you were thinking of the 1923 good G-O-O-D-E map, which looks like what might happen if you peel an orange, you kind of get this yes, segment exactly. and this segment, they're all yep, connected. Yep, 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 yep. <clears throat> they're like connected in the middle, but separate at the top, so that you, or, and the bottom, you know what I mean. Unfortunately, Greenland kind of gets tore up and, and Antarctica is in four pieces. The other thing that the Gall Peters does is it keeps those equal lines. So what the Mercator does well, the Gall Peters also does. So it is also useful in that way, but it does a much better job of representing the fidelity of the respective land masses so that they're not so distorted. Africa actually appears as the massive continent that it is instead of something that could fit into South America. I quite like an old-fashioned globe. Yeah. Globes are cool. Still a big fan of globes. By the way, cleaning up some random facts that connect to what we did earlier. In terms of the acres in Alaska, 425 million, 425.8 million to be exact. That's just over 665,000 square miles, making it the largest state in that respect. And so Alaska is three times the size of France and half the size of India. That's yeah, true. wow. That is true. The, you know, the, the size difference between India and Brazil was pretty shocking to me. I thought that they were going to be more similar, and I thought that there was going to be a bigger jump between Brazil and Canada. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. It, it also surprised me that India wasn't larger. Well, are the top three Russia, Canada, Brazil in, in land area, the, the top three countries in the world for land area, Russia, Canada, Brazil? Well, this says Russia, Canada, China. That sounds right to me. Well, what's fourth? U.S. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I wasn't looking at the Mercator map. I forgot about us. Yeah. Russia's the very top. We said that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 By, by a I long thought, shot. I thought maybe in terms of the 
purchase amount that Louisiana purchase was in there or something like that, but that was actually 15 million. Yeah. Wow. I knew that Alaska was less than Louisiana. I don't know why I had. I'll find something that America bought for 1.3 million dollars. I'll let there you know go. next time. When they and filmed then, Charlie Chaplin's The Gold Rush, of course they were filming it in California, and there were all these shots where he's walking up a big snowy mountain, and so they bought loads and loads, dump truck loads of salt. Mm. And so he was, a lot of the people, you know, are in a big fur coat pretending to shiver in the heat of California on a mound of salt. It must have been a very thirsty time. Well, I always wonder about when in production you value things differently and and what does it make sense to do more? Like, would it have made more sense for him to just drive a few hours north to, you know, Mount Whitney area and Mammoth and have plenty of snow or to import tons and tons of salt and set it up on the back lot down in you know universal yeah. city yeah that was apparently cheaper by or the way more, just a or thought. more convenient for some reason maybe it was a whole back order of billy possums that they had to buy for 1.3 million to destroy <laughs> billy's them. possum uh, please billy's so possum. clearly that would have been valued much higher than 1.3 million yes of course right All right, so nicely done today uh, with the 28 out of 30 points. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends. You're always a welcome part of the team at the Last Call Trivia Podcast.